Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boy, we were counting stars last night as the Penguins visited Denver to take on the Avalanche at an 8 o'clock puck drop at the Ball Arena. What a game it was. Welcome to this edition of Penn's Cast post-game recap. I am Lucas Wester, once again, with you. And I'm making this the day after the Penguins' victory over the Colorado Avalanche because... Well, it was a later game, and I was tired, and I really wasn't feeling like doing this, but I ragged on the Penguins for their performance against Ottawa pretty bad, so I felt like I, they deserved to have their praises as well when they p- perform as well as they did last night. So that's what this is. This is me going to be hyping up and basically pointing out everything good that happened in that game, but there were still some flaws that the Penguins exhibited in that performance in Denver. But for the most part, I did enjoy uh, seeing and hearing that game. I listened in on the Penguins radio network with the best in the business, Josh Getzoff and Phil Bork doing the call on that one. But the Penguins played a overall great game. And obviously they left Denver with two points, which is hard for uh, many teams these days. It obviously helped that the Colorado Avalanche were without one of the top five players in the league in Kale McCarr. He was not playing. He was injured. He's had a lot of injury trouble over the past few weeks, and it really dates back to the game that they played against Pittsburgh at PPG Paints Arena, where he fell into slash Carter may have leaned into a little bit a uh, the head of Kale McCarr. And he was in concussion protocol for a long time with that, but now he has some other ailments that are holding him back from performing. But I think that could have been a big part of it. I think this game would have been a different story, at least to a certain extent. I think it would have been a lot closer of a game if Makar had been in the lineup. But you can only play the players that are out there. And to the Penguins' credit, they were still playing without most of their D-men. They had Ruedel, Fadoon, Dumoulin, Friedman, Latang, and P.O. Joseph as their decor last night, which even if you compare to a Kale McCarr-less Avalanche D, I would say it's worse. I'd say it's a, the Penguins had a much you know more uphill battle, get it, because Colorado, than the Avalanche's decor did. They, it consisted of the Penguin great Jack Johnson, Bowen Byram, Devon Tays, Brad Hunt, Sam Gerrard, and Curtis McDermott. Obviously, there's some, you know, not so great players on that team. 
uh, on, I'm sorry, on that decor, you look at Brad Hunt only getting nine, less than nine minutes, McDermott getting just over seven. Jack Johnson even had to play 18 minutes. They really rode the Byram, Gerard, Taze trifecta, which why wouldn't you? I mean, those are three of the better defensemen in this league. Um, Taze obviously got a goal out of it. But both teams had their crosses to bear. And the Penguins, you know, if you want to nullify all the injuries that they had versus the Kale McCarr injury, call it even. Penguins performed really well with what they had. And let's take a look here at the scoring summary of this one. It started in the second period, the scoring, with a classic Crosby drive to the net through some defenders and just the uh, his beautiful backhand. It was That goal was his 30th of the season, assisted by Gensel and Pio Joseph. And Crosby gets another 30-goal season under his belt. It was, as many people in Pittsburgh media and on Pittsburgh Penguins Twitter called it, Vintage Crosby. The entire game was a Vintage Crosby clinic. But under the bright lights of the TNT nationally televised game against the reigning Stanley Cup champions, against his probably best friend uh, in in the National Hockey League, Nathan McKinnon, fellow Cool Harbor, Nova Scotia native, he performed when the lights are on, Crosby always performs well. Even in the playoffs, the past few years, whenever they've you know gone in one round and out, he's still always been the best performer on the team. He's still Sidney Crosby, even at his ripe age of 35? 35? Yeah, he thir- turns 36 this year, excuse me. Crosby's still the best. One of the best in the league, still the best on this team, period. There's no two ways about it, and all game he proved that, but especially on that first goal, it was a dandy. Second goal was a power play goal from Jake Gensel, where he batted out of the air a Evgeny Malkin point power play shot, and it got past Georgiev, and it made the deficit a 2-0 lead for the Penguins. That was Jake's 31st of the season, so he also has 30 goals this year, obviously. Malkin gets his 50th assist. Probably one of the most low-key great seasons this year across the league, but especially on this Penguins team, is Evgeny Malkin with thir- with a 50 ex- assist. Excuse me. Take a look here at his season overall. He has 74 points in 71 games. He's going to probably be a point-a-game player when the season is completely finished. And he had a bad season last year, granted, but... Everyone wanted to act like he was washed and he wasn't worth re-signing and the Penguins should have let him walk to Florida or Detroit or wherever he may have ended up had free agency uh, gone a different way. But he's having a fantastic season. And we just talked about Crosby. Crosby also having an incredible year. Latang as well. The core is not the problem. The core has never been the problem. There was a article I read today. I think it was Daily Faceoffs. Matt Larkin, I believe, is, was his name. Or he was talking about the worst team that's gonna that might make the playoffs might go for this try to you know win a Stanley Cup is the Penguins and basically they're deluded to think that they're have any chance or anything yada 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 with this core performing the way they are the Penguins can do can win a cup that they they can the problem isn't the three of them it's everything below that everything below that needs to be working and that's been the narrative all year. So anyone at any national publication that tries saying anything like that hasn't been watching the team, which I don't blame them for. 
It's hard to follow 32 teams. I completely understand that. I'm trying to cover one on this podcast, and I'm, you know, it's it's still not easy. But to say that the Penguins, you know, have no shot at anything, if the rest of the team can get going, this core was worth re-signing, 100%. It's worth keeping, worth building around, and it's worth mortgaging some future for it. And the Penguins fans' gripe was never about the core. It's been about what Ron Hextall has been unwilling to do to build around it and to give those guys depth pieces to move forward and compete for a Stanley Cup. But if players start getting hot, this team can still compete. I don't like them in a series against Boston, like I mentioned, but still, the core has performed well. And this game against Colorado proved that that core still has it. In the second period, JT Comfer gets a goal, his 15th of the year, assisted by Nachushkin. Overall, JT Comfer played a really good game. And I know there was a lot of speculation after Kadri left in free agency to go to Calgary, who was going to be the second line center in Colorado. You know, there's a void there. Comfer's a good third, but can he be a second line center? I think he has the tools to be a good second line center, period. I mean, I mean he doesn't have the numbers exactly that like a Malkin would have or something or any or someone like that on the second line. But this year, in 70 games played, 15 goals, 32 assists, 47 points. Career highs in assists by a lot and by points and points by a lot. Goals, he's three behind his total last year. He is slowly developing into that player who can be, I think, a solid second line center. When you have Mar- uh, excuse me, Nathan McKinnon as your first line center, not every team needs to have a you know one-two punch of Hall of Famers. JT Comfort can be a competent second-line center, in my opinion, and he played a fantastic game. I think he was one of, probably outside of McKinnon, I think he played the best game for the Avalanche. And then later in the period, uh, Jeff Carter scores a goal assisted by Rust and Zucker. Just, I mean, just pounding away in front of the nets, and he's performed okay on the fourth line. People don't mind him, I don't think, on the fourth line. And he's a good, he's slow. He's really slow. Everyone knows that. Even in his celebration back to the bench, he was leading the lineup, you know, to give the high fives. Even that was super slow. It took him forever to get to the bench. Jeff Carter does not have the legs anymore. But he can be, in offensive situations, a net front guy. And that's what he was on that power play. That I forgot to mention that was a power play goal. His 10th of the year assisted by Rust and Zucker. Zucker getting more points on the board. Rust, who's been in a little bit of a rut recently, hadn't had a goal up until this game, and I believe 10 games. He gets a point there. That's always good. But I think more the person that needed a goal the most or a point the most was Jeff Carter because this season he has been an absolute punching bag for this fan base, including me. I, I've even given my fair shots at Jeff Carter because he has not performed well, and I don't blame him as much as I do Mike Sullivan for putting him in situ in like giving him ice time and putting him in situations where he needs to perform to higher than what his talent is. You can only, I don't think it's an effort thing with Jeff Carter. I think he's just an older, slower player. Now he's like 39, I believe 38, 39. Come on. I mean, you got to be aware of what your players can do. And I think we, maybe we found a spot that Jeff Carter can be himself and perform well, possibly. Nonetheless, that was the score at the end of the second, 3-1. Going into the third period here, Devon Taves was with just a 
good shot. It was great power play there by the Colorado Avalanche. They were passing it around with ease. And Taze got a good pass. Comfer was in the quarterback position. McKinnon got an assist on that one as well, the secondary assist. But Comfer, uh, from the right circle, kind of just ripped it far side on Tristan Jari. and gets his sixth of the season to bring the game within one. It is a 3-2 game at this point. And then the fourth line is out there for the Penguins. And Dumoulin with a rocket of a pass, maybe? Not exactly sure what it was. May have been a, a shot. It looked like to me, but I didn't hear any of the guys on the TNT. I listened. I watched part of the uh, TNT highlights as well. I didn't see them saying anything about it being a a shot, but it looked like it could have been just a missed shot. If not, it was a beautiful pass. Nonetheless, gets it right in front into the crease where Jeff Carter's there to deflect it perfectly into the net. Carter gets his second of the game, eleventh on the season. Dumoulin and O'Connor get assists on that one. It's a four-two game. And then an empty netter, Brian Russ gets it unassisted, where it was actually, all things considered, I think it was a nice empty net goal. He had to chase it down, and he put just enough on it to get it out of the reach of the Colorado defender who was you know, running back. I forget who it was, but he's able to get it in and get his 16th of the season, and the Penguins will win that game 5-2. to two. Overall thoughts, like I said, Great game overall. One of the better games this team has played this season against an opponent that is as difficult as they come. Yes, they were that one of their best players, but if you take one of McKinnon or Makar off the avalanche, they're still an elite team with elite skill. They've been with that Landeskog all year. They've had their fair share of injuries. They might be the most man games lost out of any team in the West, if not the entire league. But they have played unbelievably well, especially recently. They've been on a, uh, I think it was a six-game win streak or five games that they were on going into this one. As they had to fight back throughout the season to get into a playoff position. And going into this game, they were on the verge of possibly being able to you know, get into that number one spot in the central. But to no avail, uh, Tristan Jari, uh, said, and, and the Penguins had something to say about that. Jari ended the game with 60, not 60, 26 saves on 27 shots, a 9.33 save percentage there. Uh, oh, sorry, that was even strength. Sorry, I was reading the even strength. 28 saves on 30 shots. That was what it was. Yeah, 9.33. Played very well, very sharp. And he was against some really good competition on that, on the uh, forwards over there in Colorado. Nathan McKinnon was buzzing all night. He easily could have scored two goals you know, three points or so here. He got the one assist. He, him and Comfer had great games. McKinnon is the future of this league. Him and McDavid are the two rock stars that are coming up. And just the way that McKinnon skates, the how powerful he is with his strides and how he can just take rip, he could take fire shots mid stride. He is a phenomenal player. He had five shots on goal on that one. 25 minutes of ice time for him. For a forward, that's crazy. He did lead the the uh, forward group in that. Uh, the entire team, he was in third behind Byram and Taze. But he played a great game. So the Penguins were able to shut him down. And Tristan Jari, more importantly, was able to stop him um, from getting onto the score sheet on the in the goal category at the very least. But yet, like I said, very... Very sharp game from Tristan Jari. I don't think it negates anything I said in the first episode, 
talking about where the Penguins need to look elsewhere for goaltending in the future. He's still inconsistent. He's still injury-prone. That can all be true, as well as he played a great game. Played a phenomenal game. And at this point, for a playoff run, the best you can hope for is that he plays like that. And and if he continues to play like that against elite teams, maybe you win a round. Possibly. But he needs to stay healthy. And we don't know if that's going to be the case over these next 12 games, plus potentially playoffs. Nonetheless, some questionable questionable performances on the penguins end uh, P.O. joseph he had a giveaway in the first that i forget who took the shot and maven rantanen i believe or rantanen had a he turned it over in the defensive zone rantanen had a clean shot and runway to you know rev up for it too and that easily could have been a colorado goal i believe that was before anyone sc- oh yeah it was in the first so it was before anyone scored so that could have been a momentum swing for the avalanche had that gone the other way but jari was sharp on that one and then on the comfort goal it, he was nowhere to be found Latang was back where was P.O. joseph he was left chasing and it just it wasn't great uh a great look for P.O. he's not supposed to be playing top pair minutes he's not a top pair defenseman i wouldn't even put him in second pair position and uh you know it when everyone's healthy but this is what the situation calls for he it's where he needs to be there because he's the most tenured guy uh or maybe not maybe not most, most tenured that would be Dumoulin but the best guy for the situation but he didn't look great especially in the first half of the game I did not like how POJ played um and going off of that there was way too many odd man rushes but it was more than just POJ who was at fault there uh the second pair didn't play great either in that regard. I saw Rue Weedle chasing a lot. But all things considered, you have to give these guys credit because almost half of this decor is AHL defensemen. Rue Weedle, Friedman, Fadoon. You're, you're not going to... There, there's, a, there's a disparity there. You know, you're not going to get NHL, you know, performances out of half of your guys who aren't NHL defensemen. It's just the reality of the situation. So all things considered, I think the decor played okay, but there were too many odd man rushes. That's been a problem all season though, so I don't want to necessarily rag on just the AHL guys, but it looked especially bad because of the amount of speed that this Colorado team has. I think they caught the Penguins flat-footed and out of position sometimes, and they took advantage of that. But Luckily for them, Jari was fantastic. He had a great game and bailed them out on uh, a few occasions. More on the Crosby front of it, which we talked about earlier. He proved in that game that he is still a top five player in this league, as if there was any doubt, right? I don't want to be stating the obvious here, but outside of the McDavid's of the world, the Makars of the world, the maybe Matthews, but I'm sure that would that's going to start a debate, so I'm not even going to get into that. Crosby's still a top five performer in this league. He makes all the right decisions. The NHLPA player poll came out, which I still think is a bit of a fraud. I don't think the players put that much thought into it. I think they kind of just get asked quickly and give whatever first comes to their head. But I think it's a big respect thing to be called the best or most complete player in the NHL. 
And I think it was the fourth year in a row that Crosby got that title, and deservedly so. When he's on, he is on, but even when he's off, even whenever he's having a couple games without a point, yada yada, he still makes smart decisions. He's still very elite with the puck. No one can control the puck quite like him. No one has a better backhand than him. And amongst the top, you know, five forwards offensively in this league, none none of them are as good in their own zone or defensively or in the neutral zone without the puck than Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby, if there was a world that existed without Patrice Bergeron, could win the Selkie. there's going to be debate that maybe he should at some point in his career have won the trophy, especially in the latter few years. But to no avail, Patrice Bergeron's going to get it again this year, probably. Um, And he's going to have his record sixth, seventh, whatever it was. He he deserves it. He's unbelievable on that side of the puck. But Sidney Crosby in this game against Colorado did everything right, in my opinion. He is a leader and he is the the leader of this core. And people in games past, whenever the Penguins as a team have disappointed, especially in the Ottawa game, called on the core's leadership. Where's the leadership? Where's the accountability? Ooh. Sidney Crosby leads by example. That room, that locker room is not a bunch of talkers. They're not loud. They lead by example. They get on the ice and their effort and their performance and the results dictate on what the, everyone else needs to do. There is story after story of Sidney Crosby doing countless reps in practice and make and that kind of pressures of the younger guys. Oh, I can't do less reps than, than Sid. I can't get off the ice before Sid. We've heard these stories for almost two decades now, nearly. So I don't want to ever hear Penguin fans or pundits, or anything, questioning Sidney Crosby's leadership. Sometimes there's an effort issue with Evgeny Malkin. Sure, that's fair, I'll give you that. Sometimes he gets frustrated, and some looks dejected on the ice. Visibly dejected. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and he will take dumb penalties sometimes because of it. But... This team starts and stops at Sidney Crosby. It's the reason why they're competing this year, why they re-signed Malkin, why they re-signed Latang, why, you know, they didn't make a bunch of moves at the deadline, but why they still bought at the deadline and didn't sell. It's because of that guy, number 87. So there's no excuse to ever hear, to ever say anything bad about his leadership, this team's leadership. As long as there's an 87 on the ice... There's no excuse for this team to lack effort or for fans to call for the leadership to step up. Sidney Crosby is the leader, bar none. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise that his leadership needs to change. He needs to do anything differently. When that guy hits the ice, everyone needs to wake up. And if they don't, it's the other players' issues. It's not Sidney Crosby. Period. End of story. I'm not having that discussion with anybody. Moving on. I got really mad there. Moving on. Uh, just quick note on that on that goal, on the power play goal, the second goal of the game by Jake Gensel. Just beautiful hand-eye. That was after he had taken 
a he a blocked shot. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't remember where he took it on his body, but he was down for quite a little bit. He is hurt, and I, th- I don't think he's playing tonight. Possibly there was an emergency call up. Uh, Philip Hollander uh, got caught up. I believe Dustin Tokarski also got caught up. I'm going to check for tonight's game against Dallas, and that may be a Gensel issue. It's not entirely sure. Well, I'm not entirely sure. Excuse me, on um, the lineup there. But there's, but even after he presumably hurt himself on that block shot, he still played and just beautiful hand eye. He is an elite scorer. Obviously, he hasn't a fantastic shot, and that wasn't really a shot as much of it was just a, you know, baseball swing out of the air. But he's so talented. Whenever, long after the Malkin, Crosby, Latang era, I think uh, it would be smart of them to hold on to Jake Gensel long term. I think he's an elite scorer, and there's, I think he, I think he leads the pack as well. I, th- I think a lot of players take lead from him. Just so consistent, you know. In a room that can, you know, have high highs and low lows, Jake Gensel is so consistent with his scoring. I believe, I want to see how many, uh, 60, not 60, 30 goal uh, seasons he has under his belt. Let me take a look here real quick on Hockey Reference. Shout out Hockey Reference. One, this is his third in a row because he's not up to 30. Oh, sorry, excuse me. I was looking at assists, pardon me. This is his second in a row, third overall. But the two seasons before that were COVID years. In 1920 season, in 39 games, he had 20 goals. So he was on pace for 40 that season. And 2021, the uh, less COVID but still COVID season was 56 games. He played all 56 of the games and he had 23 goals. So he would have gotten 30 that year too. So pro-rated, he's been on a 30-goal pace for five straight seasons. He is fantastic. And ever since he got came, he hit the ground running when he came into this league. And he showed up in this Colorado game as well. And there's been some power play issues for the team. I really do not trust power play too very much because Rust has been cold. Carter obviously has been cold. Granlin hasn't done a whole lot on the offensive side of things yet since he's gotten acquired by the Penguins at the deadline. But I want to give them their shout-out. On that first Carter goal, the power play goal, that was the second unit, and it was beautiful puck movement down low uh, over by the corner where I think it went from Granlin to Zucker to Rust to in front to Carter where he was able to just shovel it in. It was great puck movement, and I think it's really what that second power play unit needed to get the confidence moving forward, especially down the stretch where they need to win. I'm going to go over this real quick. This is a little math I did earlier, some prep for the uh, Penguins radio network, but I'm going to share it here as well. The Penguins technically control their own destiny because of the game in hand they had against Florida that they won. They are a point up now, or they're a point back of Florida with a full game in hand. So you win that game, and everyone else wins out if that were to happen. They would lead and get in with one more point. But the current wildcard standings, as it sits prior to the Dallas Stars game tonight, New York is in the first wildcard with 82 points in 72 games. The second wildcard sits Florida, 79 points in 71 games. 
And on the outside looking in right now are the Penguins at 78 points in 70 games. But if you take those points and games played on and you put it over an 82-game pace, the Islanders are on pace for 93.4 points, the Panthers 91.2, Penguins 91.4. So on that, the Penguins would have it. But there's still the games left to be played. And those games remaining, you probably are thinking, how good are the teams that they all have to face? Well, I did that homework for you too, so you're welcome. Actually, Tankathon did. Tankathon.com. I just you know, wrote it down. The Islanders have the 21st easiest schedule remaining in the NHL. Or 12th hardest, if you want to look at it that way. The Florida Panthers have the 15th easiest 18th hardest. The Penguins have the 19th easiest, 14th hardest. So the Panthers have it the easiest among the three. Penguins are in the middle. Islanders have a slightly harder schedule moving forward in their last bit of games. I did a little more math, but we're not really going to go into it. Basically, what the Penguins need to have happen to make the playoffs. I'm going to save this for the full episode. I'm going to do probably on Monday... Not exactly sure. Maybe Sunday. I gotta see. I want to see what happens here with the with the next couple games. They play the Dallas Stars tonight in Dallas. Nine o'clock puck drop from American Airlines uh, Center. American Airlines Center or Arena. I should know that. Center. Bang. The AAC American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. It's gonna be a great game. Dallas is a wagon in my opinion. Out of the teams in the West, I think they are a top two, top three team. And I think they played one of the other top three teams last night. And they beat them pretty handily. So the Penguins can win this. I believe they're going to have to go with Tristan Jari tonight. Possibly back-to-back. I'm going to check Twitter real quick and see if anyone has said... If they've talked to Sully, maybe the reporters... Um, I know who may have it. Let me take a peek here. Um, Does not look like they've talked much. But considering they called up Tokarski and Hollander today on emergency basis, probably means that Casey DeSmith is still sick with something. And I have a hard time thinking, even though Jari just played last night and played a tough game, you know, obviously performed well, Based even with that, I don't see them starting Takarski, who is presumably going to make it to Dallas like just in time for the game, or barely at it. I don't think that they're going to start Takarski. I think they're probably going to have to give Jari the back to back, and it's going to it might suck because he's not going to he's not going to be well rested. They had to travel late last night to get to Dallas, and it. It's going to be tough for him. It's going to be a real testament. I think this is going to be a huge test for Tristan Jari tonight on whether you know he can deal with that. And it's going to be tough because of his injury history and recent injury history. Being you know playing back-to-back 60 minutes of hockey, it's going to be really tough for him and I'm very interested to see how it goes. I'm going I may make a post game tomorrow morning afternoon if this game coming up is interesting at all. If there's anything significant that happens, I'm not exactly sure. Like I said, I don't know how often I want to do this, but since I talked about the Ottawa game, 
and how bad they performed that game, I felt the need to talk about this game and how well they performed. It's only fair. It's only fair. So that's going to be it. Once again, Penguins winning last night, March 22nd, against the Colorado Avalanche. 5-2 was the final score, and tonight they would play the Dallas Stars in Dallas. A 9 o'clock puck drop Eastern time. And we'll watch that with your wide eyes, because it's going to be quite the game there. Thank you for listening to this, if you made it all the way through, and we will see you next time.